Hi, I'm Lee Salisbury, and over the years, I have directed some of the country's biggest continuing dramas and worked with some of TV's best actors and actresses and become friends with them. I want you to get to know them a bit like I do, and so welcome to Soap from the Box. So my guest today on the podcast is the fabulous Nina Wadia, who couldn't be, I don't think, any more different than your character in EastEnders, Zainab Masood, described once as Walford's answer to Alan Sugar. <laughs> Hello, Nina. Hiya. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, firstly, actually, as a gay man, I probably wouldn't be sat here with Zainab, would I, this close? No. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you play, what we're going to do today is basically kind of spend half the time speaking about Zainab mm-hmm. and your time in EastEnders, and then half the time speaking about you. Okay. Which will be more interesting is <laughs> up for debate. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously let's talk about Zainab. So she was, you were cast in 2007. And at the time, they said she was going to be a strong-willed woman in her early 40s who owns a string of post offices. I mean, what did you think when you took on the role? What attracted you to Zainab? Well, I remember being approached by the exec and the casting director and being told, we're looking for someone to create um, an Asian character that will last. (laughs) And um, the idea is we want someone like Pauline Fowler, but funny. Now, I'd not seen EastEnders, so I was, I, I'd heard, obviously, of Pauline Fowler. It's kind of, EastEnders is all permeable, isn't it? It's kind of everywhere, even if you don't watch it. So I was sent um, sort of tapes uh, of Wendy Richards and, and Pauline Fowler, uh, the character, and, and I thought, oh my gosh, grumpy old bitch, how do I make her funny? My husband said, be yourself, but that's a different story. Um, but what, I, you know, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought, what makes grumpy people funny? And it's the fact that they're blunt. Grumpy people are very honest. So I thought, well, if I create a character that's, um, you know, hugely miserable, but if someone asks her, you know, oh, does my bum look big in this? She'd go, yes. And then the audience would laugh because it's rude. And she'd go, what, you asked me, I told you. So that's how uh, Zainab was born in my head. And but it wasn't your first time in EastEnders because I read no. that you, were, you had a minor role playing a nurse. Do you remember the name? Indu something, is it? Viv. Viv. No, 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 no. It was two. This oh, is a right. weird story oh, behind wow. this that people don't know about. The first time I played her, I, she was called Viv something. Um, and it was when, oh, uh, Susan Tully. Yeah, Michelle Fowler. Michelle Fowler got shot. So it was one scene and I was really nervous and I did it as this character. Then I came back six months later or something else. There was another scene and I think it had to do with Ross. Ross Kemp was in it. I know that. And um, and all of a sudden, my name badge said Indu. So I thought, hang on a minute. Not only have I changed characters, I've changed race and colour. <laughs> <laughs> not that anyone would notice, to be honest, unless they look at the name badge, because I played her the same. But I remember thinking, this is so weird, <laughs> you know. And did you, th- did you get a sense then? I mean, had they watched you and remembered you years later, or was it just a chance thing? No, I think they, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think, the casting director or, or someone within the company had seen me in the vagina monologues ah. and had gone, oh, we like the character she's created. So um, I think it came down that route. I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But that's where I think it came from. So, yeah. So then years later, you obviously got the part of Zainab. Now, yep. there's so much to say. So to, just to kind of before we get properly into the meat of stuff, I'm going to test you a little bit to see okay. if you can remember Things about Zainab. You do know that as an actress, I have the worst memory in the world. 
people and that's don't kind know of this. why this might be quite funny. Okay. If you don't know. So, so you came into the show not to make friends. Yeah. Can you remember who the first person you had a big feud with with was on I, the screen? Yes, that would have been um, Bianca um, Patsy. Yes, Palmer. Palmer. Yes, Patsy. Correct. Palmer, that's what I did. Yes. And your big first storyline was with Di Parish, wasn't it? Who played Denise? Because were you running the shop with her? Did you? Did, was the post office within the shop? No. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. So was, that's me. No, that's that was, totally got that <laughs> yeah. From what I remember, no, we became friends. I know that. You know, they decided that these two characters, you know, would be friends, which I think they would. That's why we started working together. But I don't think it was to do with an, an actual kind of storyline of her owning anything or being part of a business see, or anything like that. This is where we you're probably knowing much better than me now. Thanks, Wikipedia, for that one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I probably I told you my memory. But, I mean, there's Di, there's, you know, you mentioned Patsy, there's you. There's obviously, I think one of the main things about EastEnders, actually, is it's very amazingly known for its female characters. Isn't oh, it? I mean, yeah. there's been such strong females in that show. Yeah, it's a real matriarchal show, you know. But then that that's, that's British culture for you. I think British culture is very matriarchal very similar to Indian culture that way as well you know you may see the man fronting something but it's the woman pulling all the strings for sure and do you think shows like EastEnders I mean there's a lot of it's matriarchs left you know Pam St Clement Barbara obviously Patsy's gone yeah um I mean will soap because I think with the big thing, the big question about soap is a lot of people used to stay in it for years as actors and now people yeah. are quick to come and go. Yes. Do you think it can remain the same without these matriarchs? Do you know what I mean? Without the, the, the bread and butter of it. Do you know, it's, it's so interesting because I, I left 10 years ago now. So it's been a decade since I left. But if you spend a day with me on the streets, you will just go, you, the amount of people will come up and go, hey, when are you getting back in? We really miss you. And you go, it's been 10 years. How how has this happened? I don't understand. And I remember um, Pat, Pat, uh, Pam St. Clement saying to me, when you uh, do a show like EastEnders and if they like your character, they will just not be able to let that go. It, it That will stay with you for life. So she said, so make the character good because yes. it will stay with yeah, you. Okay, yeah. And true, honestly, her words are coming true. I think it's like, I think people who watch soap, I mean, it's like they're in your house every day. So yeah. they become friends yeah, in a way. Yeah, they do. But they also hate you. My gosh, I played when I did the whole homophobic kind of part of the character, which I didn't know was coming my way. I, you know, I realized very quickly that when people see you all the time, they genuinely associate your behavior with you as a human being. And it's horrible because you sometimes get a bit of abuse where you go, that's not me. That's my character. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then you'll actually have people going, well, there must be something in you to, to play it that way. <laughs> yeah. You just go, really? No. Oh. And that's why I feel sorry if I know that the guy who plays Jeff and Corey at the moment, yeah. who's doing the big domestic abuse story. Yes. Like, I mean, you think it's a brave role to take on that as an actor, it is. isn't it? it is. Well, like Ace Curry. did it. Ace did in our show, course, you know, yeah, and, we'll and he got a massive backlash. Um, you get very disliked if you play a bad guy. Yes. So back on with the quiz. Yeah. What did Zainab buy for the garden to prove she was not poor? Oh, was this this weird big mosaic fountain? Yes. 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 I remember that only because it was the most painful scenes. <laughs> to film. I just... I can't remember the masseuse having a garden, apart uh, from a front well, garden. Right, it's about you know, two foot by two <laughs> yeah, foot. And that's where the water feature got put, was it? So hilarious, <laughs> honestly. It was, that was, the whole storyline was made because Nithin wanted to smash something up with a sledgehammer. And they said, oh, what can we do? Can't make a mess in the house. Let's buy a water feature <laughs> and put it in their front garden. <laughs> and talking of Nithin, obviously played your husband, Masood. Yes. The question is, before we get to Nithin, how did Masood divorce her? 
Oh, talak, found, talak, talak. Yes, which I didn't know about. So this is a tradition, isn't it? In, yes, in yeah, culture. it's in Muslim culture. Apparently they, you know, you, you say the three words. And you're divorced, divorced. And you're divorced, you're done. And, you know, and you must never do it as a joke because it's actually quite serious and it's kind of done. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But what a strange way to get divorced. I know. That's why it's cheap. <laughs> so did you come in at the same time as Nitin or was Nitin there? No, I came in, uh, in originally, and people don't know this, originally, as far as I know, it was meant to be, uh, when, when the character was thought up, a single mum with a daughter. Um, so that's why it was just myself and Zara who played Shabnam who were in initially and, and I was running the post office. And then as we're doing that, I was told, oh, actually we're going to get a big family in for you. So I was like, oh, and they said, oh, you know, we'll be, um, auditioning some people for your husband. And then of course I got a text from Nitin. I don't know how he finds out anything <laughs> in the world, but I got a text from Nitin like literally minutes after I'd spoken to the casting director saying, Hey, how are you? And I'm thinking, here we go. <laughs> so I said, no, all good, all good. And I thought, well, Nitin and myself have played husband and wife in so many other shows. We've worked together so much. In fact, more than my own husband. I, I know the man inside out. So I just thought it would be a very comfortable, easy fit if he's on the show. And um, the cast director loved him. So it just worked really well. Amazing. And did you so did you screen test together or I suppose you worked together before? Yeah, so. no, we, we we were called into the exec's office and we had to sit and talk to them and they sort of just kept staring at us, at like you. seeing if we fit like an arranged marriage. It was like really awkward arranged marriage at the BBC. Um, and um, we laughed a lot together because that was the one thing I wanted to work with someone that I knew I would laugh a lot yes, with. Yes, because they're long hours, aren't they, on shows like that? Very I mean, really long, long hours, hours. Yeah. You can do, I mean, you can be filming from what, eight till eight? Really. Yeah, yeah, easily. And, you know, the occasional sort of longer hours than that and the occasional Saturday. Yes. So I wanted to be with someone that I had a rapport with that I could just, you know, we had a language because we were meant to have been married for many years. So I didn't want to have to start with a new actor and it would not feel comfortable yeah. or feel right. Whereas Nithin, you know, annoys me like a real husband. So was like, <laughs> it was easy. It was easy. Come on, Nithin. <laughs> what was the name of that? I mean, there were two, so the catering company first that yes. you started with money from Ian, Bill, and Christian. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Uh, something with the word Masood in it? I don't know. No, Masala Queen. <laughs> Masala, Masala Queen. Queen. And now, I, if I remember, that was where you had the market store, wasn't it? That is, but that <laughs> was also Johnny Partridge's nickname on set. <laughs> yes, Johnny. And I remember, do you remember the food? I just always remember the prop food because it used to be the cheapest microwave meals. Yes. Heated up the curries. They were disgusting. Because I used to always get excited as directors because if you have a big food scene, you're yeah. so excited because you know, but no, that it's cheap, really cheap, all but the food. My favourite thing to do, and I, like, I'm a very, proppy actor because I just think it looks more natural because I I'm proppy anyway like I'm always you know doing something with my hands and um anytime we had scenes I would insist that at some point I'd have to feed or uh, miss in or give him a taste of something and I would put so much extra chili powder in that bite and you? every time and he just and every time he'd fall for it because he would eat everything on set in the end, you got the Argy Bargy. Yes, we did. We take did. Away, which was basically, so most sets we filmed on, weren't they? The interiors were in a studio, but the Argy Bargy was outside. That's right, yes. And it was always bloody freezing, oh, I remember. Ice, in fact, it was always cold on that set. And I, I don't know if people know this, I think it was my year three or four. No, 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 it was towards the end of the, the uh, Zenab stint. Um, we had the domestic violence storyline. 
And, but there was an angry moment between Nitin and myself. So like Masood throws Zainab out of the house. And it was filmed in February. And it was free. It was one of the coldest Februarys we ever had. And I was literally just in a, like a very light kurta top and yeah. you know, jeans or something. And I said to them, I went, we're filming this at night. It was a night shoot. I said, it's freezing and you, you're going to put the rain machine on. Oh I said, God. I'm going to catch a cold. I was like, I'm going to die. This is horrible. And they're like, no, it's okay. We'll take care of you. And then we'll bring these hot coats and we'll give you hot water bottles and all this. I ended up with pneumonia for like two weeks after that. Oh, my that. God. It was so cold. And I just thought, never again. No. And that set was just, I think that was my worst set to film in, actually. Yeah. It was just so hard to film in that set, wasn't it? Because, you know, in television, basically sets are normally made very filmable. That kind of, they actually made like the yeah. smallest Indian restaurant yeah. in the world. Yes, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Everything, everything was small. And I hated those scenes where you had something on a doorstep because, you know, you do the outside part of the scene uh, sort of on one day and then maybe three weeks later, you do the indoor part. Yes. That's why we, I, when I made the fatal mistake of deciding that Zainab would have curly, unruly hair and wear no makeup that went on for six years. It was horrible. Um, I, I remember we had these scenes where you'd just go, oh gosh, I can't touch my hair, can't do anything because in three weeks I have to look exactly the same on the other side of the door. And there was one very funny moment to have to tell you about, which was with Sid Owen. Sid Owen had done a scene. Then we'd had a, he'd had a two-week holiday and came back and he was much more oh, I remember that on the inside of the house than he was on the outside three weeks later. It's genius. It's and I can genius. see why they do that, because obviously you do the outside first to see what the weather's going to be like yes. before you do the inside. Oh, is that That's what? why you do oh, it. I just thought it was in a different location. No, it's because if it is, you know, pissing yeah. it down, then you can ah, be wetted up for the inside see, stuff. something new. See? Oh. So the, the Masoods were the first Asian family to go into EastEnders since the Ferreras in 2003, yes. which was a bit of a disaster yeah. for EastEnders. Yeah. And... EastEnders had been at the time heavily criticised by the Commission for Racial Equality for not representing yeah. the ethnic uh, culture. Do you think the Masoos played an important part in changing that? Yeah, I think a massively important part. A, because, you know, they, they did their work. They did their research this time round. Um, but they also, you know, they were brave because, you know, playing a Muslim character at the time that we did on screen when you know, there, were lo- there was all the stuff happening in central London with the you know terrorists and the threats of bombs and this and that, it was actually a very scary prospect, you know. And I remember kind of being told, well, we're going to be very true to these characters. We just we just have to just you know make sure that we're culturally correct, this and that. And I said, well, I'll tell you what will help because this was my experience being an ethnic actor in this country. I noticed that if I go up for a job, nine times out of ten as an ethnic actor, they will say they're Muslim or they're Hindu or they're Parsi or they're whatever, you know, whatever the religious context is. And then they'll tell me about my character. Whereas if they get a white actor, like my friend Janet Dibley, she played Steve McFadden's um, oh, sort yes. of alcoholic <gasps> girlfriend. She was in one of my favourite sitcoms ever with Nicholas oh, Linda. Oh my God, the two of us. Yes! I remember that. Oh she God. was brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, she said to me, she said, that's so interesting that they called you up and said they want to create a Muslim family. When I got called up, they said, can you play an alcoholic? Right. And yeah. I said, well, see, that's the difference. When you use ethnic actors, a lot of times they don't, it's not about the character. It's more about your cultural background. So I said, how about this time? Yes, great that she's Muslim, but let's not make that the thing. I said, let's make, tell me what she's like, because that's what gets people interested. I don't think people watch it to have a cultural lesson about how to be a Muslim. (laughs) They watch it because they want the drama. They want someone who, and I said, and and make, if you want to make her grumpy and unpleasant, fantastic. Because there is a fear sometimes also with ethnic characters of, 
you know, they must be very nice people or this or that. And it's like, no, just make it about the character, not about her culture. Yes. And I think that really helped for once. That really helped to just, to just free us up to do what it is that we wanted. And then the cultural stuff just gave it that extra kind of flavour. And I think if you don't, like you said, if you don't shove it in people's faces, it does open the conversation because then people go away and think, why yeah. did they do that? Yeah. I'm going to look why they did that. Yeah, exactly. Well, rather than putting it on <laughs> yeah. a plate yeah. for them. Well, I mean, there was that whole talk of, you know, when I first joined about, would she wear a hijab? Would she cover her head? Yeah. Because your I... backstory, sorry, to coming to it, was it is really interesting, isn't yeah. it, Zainab? You got, you were um, married to Yusuf yes. and then had an affair with Masood and yes. got set on fire yeah, by yeah, Yusuf yeah. which is something that happened absolutely and Masood rescued you yeah. so I mean it's a huge backstory to come in on it's that it's a fantastic backstory to come in on and, and so you know but th- I think that's some that's why that's why I kept the accent because they they were saying well I said well when did she move here and they said oh, she would have been in her early 20s so I said well then she wouldn't have a British accent. She would have a Pakistani accent. She would need that. Whereas Masood wouldn't because he came from the UK. So there was that that whole thing. We had to really think about where does she fit in. So I said, well, if she's had such a bad time back home in Pakistan with wearing the hijab and this and being very culturally strong, it would be great if she actually goes, I'm not going to do that in England. I'm actually still going to follow my religion and I'm still going to be strict on myself with the, you know, the religious aspects of things. But as a woman, I'm not going to tie myself down with the hijab and this and that. I'll only do it if we ever seen in a mosque, which we did, and in which where I wore it, and I was so hot and I passed out. For real. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and what do you think of soap? And I suppose we're talking about EastEnders now because yeah. I think there's a lot, but I think it's very a very hard balance, isn't it? Because it's the audience that watches. But I mean, say for in London now, I yeah. think there's a lot of Eastern European people. Yes, and it, it, there's not one Eastern European in soap. I mean, what? How? How? What's your viewpoint on where these programs should be? You know, because yeah. it is fantasy. It is. It is. But isn't I, it? But well, should it, it be reality? You know, it, it is and it isn't. Because here's the fascinating thing. So, like, when Michael Jackson died, they called us in quickly and they said, look, we're just going to add in a scene about him dying um, and then they'll be on on tonight's show. And they, they're so clever to do that. So they do bring in these elements of reality yeah. so people really feel it's happening at the time it's happening. So I think they do need to be a bit more relax and open-minded and just, you know, be brave. Because they are brave with certain storylines. Yes, yeah. You know, especially storylines that affect women, I find, in very particular ways. They're very clever with that and they do bring those elements in. But I think they need to be a bit more realistic in that, you know, if you are going to bring in an Eastern European person, then actually bring an Eastern European actor in. You know, let them actually just enjoy and bring their flavour into the show. But one bit of advice I will give to anyone going in is that when when I was offered this, it's important to watch um, to watch it for at least two or three months before you go in, so that when you are in the show, you don't stick out like a sore thumb. Because it's one of those shows where if you haven't really watched it and understand how it works, you'll kind of almost have a different not style of acting, but you'll have something that doesn't quite. Oh, I think gel that's totally true. Yeah. I mean, I saw. You know, I would do auditions with people who have worked in the National Theatre and stuff. They're amazing actors, yeah. but just couldn't fit in the show. Yeah. And I think yeah. you're right because of that. It is. It's a very particular thing. It's quite, it's a, it's a very raw show. And I think you have to forget, you almost have to forget a lot of your training, to be honest. You just have to be real in it. You just have to say, this is what this 
person would do. Yes. And you just throw yourself and into it. And a lot it. of the time on soaps, isn't it? Very much a case of, I would say, on average on EastEnders, you got 40 minutes a scene. Yeah. And that included a read-through, a block-through. Yeah. And then getting it right, and then recording it. Yeah. And what you want is everyone on top of their game sometimes, and especially if someone's forgotten their lines all the time, then it's a nightmare to get a good, really good take, isn't oh, it? that wasn't a choice. I mean, like, literally, we were told from day one, you, at the most, get two or three takes, if that. Yes. Because oh, nine yeah. times out of ten, they just want to get it done. It's a machine. You've got to move. Yeah. And I, I think my first, I had a blackout. We have these blackouts when you've been in there long enough. Um, I know Adam Woodyard had told me about this. He said, that, you know, you'll get this thing when you're really in it, where you'll just suddenly one day have a kind of blank moment. And it happened to me kind of four years in. I remember walking on set and I was really exhausted. I was just, it was our storyline. I was te- just just tired and I remember sort of looking at I think it was either I had my scene with Mark or with Johnny and I remember just staring at them and then just bursting into tears because I couldn't remember anything my mind just went okay I've had enough I'm going to bed and I I just started sobbing uncontrollably because as an actor that has never happened to me before wow and I remember going into my little (laughs) cubby hole and then I you know so did you have to go upset yeah I had to go I was sobbing because it was terrifying because literally I saw just Nothing. white in yeah. my brain wow. I didn't, did I no words came to my mind even though I held the script and I was going but I know this I learned this yesterday I know and I'd also got to that point where uh I was not learning lines anymore I could look at the script on um, the day of it arriving and going yeah it's fine and it could be three four pages wow so your brain does something very weird as well yes. when you're in that kind of learning mode wait you don't learn your lines anymore. You just remember them. Process them. Yeah. yeah. You do. You process them and then you've got to get them out. Um, you, As soon as you've learned them, you've got to forget them to let the new information in. Yeah. And then what's it like as an actor? Because one of the big things we did, we did Christmas. Yeah. Uh, which was the, you know, the kind of a massive part of the use of Zainab yeah. thing when he was trying to take her back to Pakistan and she tried to get Camille away. Yes. Remember we filmed in that awful cafe, Boring Wood, oh as we call it. Gosh. Boring Wood, Boring Wood. Oh. High Street for hours and hours and hours. Oh, which was no, so I was horrible. used to actually sitting there hungover having like sausage, bacon and yeah. shit. So it was really weird filming there. But I mean, what's it like? I mean, that was a huge, important story, obviously. Yeah. Um, but how can you separate? I mean, because it, like we said, it's long days on EastEnders. Yeah. You come home and learn the lines. Can you switch off when you're doing a massive story like that? No, and it's one of the biggest complaints that my family had, especially my husband. And this is no joke. He, it got to a point sort of, you know, when, when, when you first start the show, it's all exciting. It's really fun. And in fact, I was playing a character that they brought in to bring humor into the show. Um, so in the, my first couple of years, it was great fun. You know, Zena was just a funny character and my spirits were very high. When the domestic violence storyline started, I just genuinely was very depressed. I just, the relentlessness of the negative storylines and the fear, even just playing fear, you know, you're you're doing something to your body and your mind that's quite upsetting and quite emotionally kind of draining and and negative and horrible. And you do bring that home. And I would come home, I would be depressed. I didn't want to eat dinner with my family. I was too tired. I just wanted to go to bed. Everything my husband did irritated me. I, my kids, they dare, don't dare come near me. Honestly, I was It's really horrid. hard, that, isn't it? And you don't, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that happens. But actually, it, it does, does happen. Yeah. Um, especially when you're in the thick of it. It really does happen. And and although it's exciting because you're, you know, you've got such meaty stuff to play. At the same time, you're thinking, I can't do this. If I was playing a, a very morose, dry, dark character... 
you know, you absorb some of that and you bring it home. And it's not fair to the people that you live with. It just isn't. And do you think that's different in soap because it's so continuous? You know, if that was a film yeah. or a one-off drama. Yeah. Well, I mean, just... this, you know, this storyline, what was, I thought it was going to be like a six-month thing that Yusuf comes back and then you find out the, her backstory. And then it went on for like two and a half years. Yeah, that's and hard. hard yeah, really that hard was work. very hard for me. And then... After that, they were talking about, you know, oh, we'll bring the old Zena back now. And I thought, how can you, after <laughs> how can you, yeah. a big domestic violence story, how do you expect it to be funny again within about three months' time? You can't do that. No. And it was a suggestion that I made that, you know, I need to go away for a bit. Because if I go away, I can freshen up. Yes. And then, then you can bring her back yes. and she can be herself again. But she's just sent a man to his death, you know, in, in a burning house. And then you expect her next week to go, oh, that <laughs> yes. funny, that fire down the street. And I think yeah. I've talked about this with lots of the people I'm talking with. Because actually in Soap, actually, I suppose there is that element of that has to happen to stay as a character there. Yeah. Because you think of, you know... Di Paris, she plays um, Diane Orville. You think of yeah. uh, Gail, Gail Platt in Coronation Street, who's yeah. murdered about three people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still kind of a normal housewife. But I suppose to have that longevity, yes. then you have to do that, don't you? You have to, and it, it's fine. I think and you it, do just go away for a month to Scotland or whatever, and you, you come back a new person. Absolutely. Domestic abuse never happened. It never happened at all. <laughs> what was really interesting as well was some fan mail that I used to get changed after so the first three years I had lots of great family of just you know oh she's so funny we love her and I love how abusive she can be and this and that all kinds of really funny stuff (laughs) and then it suddenly turned to like when the domestic violence stuff happened I had mail from and there's one letter in particular really got me a 17 year old Pakistani girl who wrote to me to say you gave me the strength to to run away Oh, I've wow. run away from home because wow. I was not going to be in this abusive marriage anymore. She'd been married at 15 in Pakistan. <gasps> and she said, I watched your storyline and you gave me the strength to do this. And you think, this is why you've got to be careful with soap. Although it's fictional, it deals with a lot of very yeah. real stuff. Hence the kind of, you know, um, you call this helpline if you need any yeah. help about a particular subject. So I think they they need to do tell the stories in a really clever way, which they, I think they do. Yes. do. I think EastEnders can get that really right. I and think when they get it right is when, and I've done, you know, we did a cop death on Emmerdale, yeah. you know, when I think the writers look at every single viewpoint that someone could have involved in that story and try yes. to include it in the in the show through, yeah. so everyone can see it through someone different, someone else's eyes. Yes. Because I think that's the thing. Other dramas, because it's in everyone's house every day, People do believe it's kind of almost real. And that's why I think we've got that power in soap to yeah. change people's lives. You and can. I do think you can. Yeah, very much so. And I think But that's so much pressure as an actor for you. I mean, as a director, it's pressure, but I don't yeah. get that you're the front of it, aren't you? That's well, the thing with a show like that. That's the thing that I think, you know, there was, again, one of the reasons I had to leave is because soap, when you are a recognised character, soap doesn't stop when you leave the set. Soap goes on. It's going on 10 years still after I've, I've left. It never leaves you. You've you affected people because of whatever storyline, whatever they were going through in their life at the time, you affect people in a very particular way. And so I think there's a great responsibility that goes with that, which a lot of actors, are, I mean, I'm glad I went into the soap, you know, in my 40s, because I don't think I would have done Actually, no, I was in my late 30s at the time. I I don't think that I would have been prepared for it as a younger actor. Uh, hats off to the younger actors who yeah. come out and oh. still are okay. Because yeah. no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very dangerous point to take someone into a show like this. You you are literally the, a person's neighbor or a friend, or they they start to to be well, your friend. Like, in the I head. think the minute you go on screen in a soap, your life 
totally changes. Oh, entirely. Entirely. And I think the thing about television and film and everything is that people say outside is very glamorous. And actually, it's totally the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. The pressure and the... I mean, it's still, you know, it's a great job. But the pressure, I think, is immense in soap. It's almost like a Hollywood. I mean, I think it's that yeah. big for people, yeah. isn't it? It is. And it's, it, you know, if you just think about, so the only time it's glamorous is if you go to an award ceremony with, you know, your gang. Yeah. And then you really feel a part of it. You really feel like I'm part of something very special and iconic and amazing. But the rest of it is a machine. You know, it is, it's, if you think nine to five job, forget it. This is eight to eight job. Yeah. And it is hard. You know, it's not glamorous. There's many hours. Sometimes you can have a scene at seven in the morning and then have another scene at five in the evening. And then you're sitting in the meantime in your I little know, quarter yeah, cabin course, going, yeah. what do I do with myself <laughs> apart from learn more lines? And That's then... what would drive me mad. Thank God you don't have that as a director. Yeah, that's oh, when yeah. I go, oh my God. You no, know. And also, you know, you do a scene from what always gets me is how amazing actors are in soap is you're not filming everything in the right order. No. You're filming f- 10 episodes, whatever, at the same time yeah. and going from... So mapping your journey so hard because Entirely. you can totally balls it up as yeah. well. Well, the one, when I used to get my you know weekends off, I never had weekends off because my weekends were when I got my next lot of scripts, I'd be going, okay, and that's my schedule. So now I've got to know, oh, I'm doing, you know, this yeah, scene where I'm she gonna, gets... I'm going to cry in exactly. that. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah. And you just, you have to map it out. And sometimes you kind of go... Oh gosh, you've done, and you get different directors. Yeah. So sometimes you can say, "Look, I did this really large. I did this really big, but you're doing the scene before that." And the director's going, "No, I wanted to really yes. underplay." And you go, "Well, I can't because, like, ten seconds later, I'm screaming my head off." So no, and and there's all these things that you have to manage. That's why you have to be really good on your homework at home. And I think that shows with certain actors. I think totally. it shows when when people have really put their minds to it. And well, done I think their the best work. episodes when everyone's done their work because, as Absolutely. we know, there's lazy yeah. directors. There's yeah. lazy, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah, if yeah. everyone's put it in, yeah, it can be magic. Oh, then I think. it's hugely magic. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, we've talked about Zaina, let's talk about you. So you were born in Bombay. That's right. And, and yeah, until you were nine? Until I was nine, there. that's right. And so was acting, I mean, you were young then. Did, was it? I, I mean, did um, Bharatnatyam, which is an Indian classical dance. I was obsessed with dance. Right. Um, my background in entertainment does not come from any passion or whatever love for acting. It was purely dance. And it's from a very tiny age. My mum remembers if there was ever music around, I would, be, even as she said, as a little as 18 months, I mean, I'd be sitting somewhere, if music was on, if I couldn't, you know, physically do something, I'd be banging my head oh, in rhythm wow. to something. I remember flying back to the UK, age 18, and having, just dreading going up to my mum and going, uh, I've decided what I want to do for a living. <laughs> the last thing she expected me to do was go, I want to be an actress. <laughs> like, you want to what? I said, I'm an actress. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's a terrible profession. It's one step up from prostitution, for God's sake. I think oh. everyone's parents would say that, though. Yeah. yeah, especially at that time, you know, from the Bollywood background, it was like, no, 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 you know, you don't want to be an actress. That's a bad profession. That's a naughty profession. And I was like, well, actually, Mum, I don't want to do Bollywood. I want to do Shakespeare. I want to do the classics. I want to do Wild. I want to just, you know. And so she was completely thrown, and she didn't talk to me for three months. She was like... You're not doing, you're going to do law. You're not doing this. And we had a massive row about it. And literally when the same as she wouldn't talk to me. And then finally my brother, you know, sort of said, look, I've seen her. You've, you've got to understand. He says, you know me of all people. I wouldn't say this, but I'm saying to you, this is something special. 
So then I auditioned for, God knows how many drama schools, can I just tell you? And finally, finally one responded and said, yes, you can come for an audition. <laughs> and it was this place in Richmond called Actercise. Oh, it was Actercise. awful. It was just awful. <laughs> and it was run by a man who ran off with all our money after the oh, second God, term. No. It was awful. And then, um, like, we, I remember turning up for my second term going, where, where's, what, what's happened to the school? And it was boarded up and all of our students are standing up again. And, and we'd laugh as well because it was the kind of school that was opposite Richmond Bowling Green. And so in the middle of a scene, you'd have someone knocking on the door going, can I use the toilet here? And you'd be going, huh? What? What's happening? I wonder if he's seen, I wonder if he's seen you now. Yeah. Right. Well, he got caught, that guy, by the way. His name was Stuart Gadotti and he got caught because he tried to set up another school in Swansea and he got caught there. <laughs> But they, then they would have that, known him from the name, the worst have, name of an acting oh, school ever. Oh gosh, that must have set you up. I mean, as an actor, anyway, you know, as you know, you, I mean, you so say you audition for loads of drama schools, but you auditions, you can audition and audition, audition, and yeah. think you're the worst actor ever. Yeah, I suppose after a month, if you've not got some, absolutely. And also, I I wanted to go to Rada. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, but you I went did, to actor science. I did the <laughs> summer. I think I did a summer session there, um, and that was on a scholarship basis because. Um, we couldn't afford to send me to um, school because I had to pay overseas school fees and my parents just didn't have the money for it. I thought it was their ploy at the time, you know, to, as, stop, as, as, yeah, to stop me acting, but genuinely there was no money. And then when when Axis kind of disappeared, um, what was the London Theatre School in Wandsworth, a woman called Barbara Buckmaster, came up to school. She'd seen one of my performances at the school and she took two people from our drama school oh, wow. for free into her school and I was one of them. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I did a year and a half with her and then I just said, that's it. Stage newspaper, took this the stage newspaper, turned the back of it and went, I just auditioned for everything. I also naively remember going up for review go- girls, not realising <laughs> it was for strippers. Okay? <laughs> Why am I in Soho in Raven's Review Bar? What's this for? What's going on? So, yeah... Um, I was thrown into the profession in a really, like, I, I genuinely was incredibly naive about the profession. I knew, I didn't know any actors. I knew nothing about the profession, nothing. I don't think anyone does really, though, who's gone into that. No, in now way, they you know, do. But I suppose yeah. now, yeah, you yeah. can do a lot on your, your first big, so I suppose the first big thing that everyone knows you for is goodness gracious me. Well, yes, but that was seven years later. Seven years My later. My first ever job was at Theatre Royal Stratford East. Which is um, amazing. A best theatre ever. Yeah. For me, it's my the best theatre ever. And I, I worked with Jeff Tier and Philip Headley, and I did uh, a panto. Um, <laughs> was my first ever job was panto, in which I had to tap, because that's why I went <laughs> for it. Like, with bells? With bells on as well. <laughs> oh, God, don't. That's what we did with pre-goodness gracious me. So I did that. And then after that, I, I literally did theatre job after theatre job. I went from well, one incredible. to the one. To, and that's where you learn your craft, years. isn't it? That's where you yeah. really, theatre's just that, you can't. Back to back theatre. But how funny, goodness gracious me, when that came up was back to sketch, that you had started writing sketch. So Absolutely. And that that came about because at Theatre Royal Stratford East, I was sitting in the green room going, you know, I always get the girl next door, the best friend. I never get to show what I can do. I'm always a support actor. And Philip Headley was the artistic director at the time there, said, no, that's a character actor. And he says, and you must know that about yourself. He said, you are a character actor, which, you know, when you're younger, you go, you think, what? I'm a leading lead, lead character. I'm a lead. no, but, but it's a brilliant thing he said to me yes. because actually he's right. Because what I was doing was character acting. And I thought, 
And he said, if you just embrace that, he says, you just accept that and embrace that. He goes, you go a lot further than if you keep thinking, I'll get Julia well, Roberts' I think you go a long further <laughs> no. than if you're, a, say, a Meg Ryan or a... Who, yeah. aren't, who are basically yeah. the same part, yeah, really, absolutely. but leading ladies, but there's a lifeline to that. Yeah. So I, I did that, and then and then he said to me, instead of sitting here, you know, bitching in the green room about how you don't get this, he goes, you said you write. I said, yeah. He goes, so get a bunch of people together. He says, I'm thinking of getting a group of um, young Asian actors together and um, see how you go. So they put six of us, this kind of mishmash group of people, um, uh, which is where I first met Nitin, by the way, and... Um, we called our show, Do You Eat With Your Fingers? Um, and, <laughs> I like that. And we literally, we got together and co-wrote and co-performed and just, you know. So is this the group that went under Goodness Gracious? Me? Yes. Not, yes well, yeah. No, no, no. Just me from that oh, group. Oh, just you. Right. Okay. So what happened with that group was they, they chose, initially they chose myself and there's an actor called Paul Sharma. And oh, Paul, who also came into EastEnders. Paul came into EastEnders to play my brother. Exactly. Yes, I remember Paul. Now, Paul didn't... We then were asked by the BBC to go and do a one-off show at the Riverside Studios. Um, it was going to be called Peter Sellers is Dead, um, but they never ended up calling it that, thank goodness. Um, they said, no, it's actually going to be called Goodness Gracious Me. Ah. And so Paul and myself in that show, Paul's a tapper, and he can tap way better than me, by the way. And he basically... I choreographed a routine where it was, I had bells on, but would do tap movements. And he, his top half of his body had to learn to do Bharatanatyam. And we combined this dance. Oh, wow. And that was one of the things that used to bring the house down. And he was going to come on to Goodness Gracious Me. For some reason, he decided it wasn't for him. I still today don't know why. So then it ended up um, with the real McCoy people. So we had... Um, Kulvinda Gear, who also Kuli had worked with in radio. Oh, okay. So I knew Kuli from radio and known Nitin from radio before that as well. Because in that first seven years of acting, I trained on the radio drama company as well. Um, and my audition for that is a classic. I have to tell you about that later. But anyway, <laughs> so next thing I know, um, we perform in front of, um, uh, you know, the BBC execs. And we were told, you've got a radio a slot to do Goodness Gracious Me. It's going to be a radio show. And luckily I've done radio, so I... Flew in that, loved it. And then next thing, it was so successful, so quickly, the listeners loved it, that they said within a couple of months, right, it's going to be a TV show. And that's when I panicked because my only TV experience up to that point was one episode of 2.4 Children. <laughs> right, okay. I saw that on your CV. Actually, I used to love that as well. What oh were you in 2.4 Children? I played... Because that was humongous at the time, huge. wasn't it? it that was, was like the biggest show. I mean, if you look at it now, it was terrible. It's awful show. Awful. But, but, you know, lovely actors. And we laughed. And I, my, I had one scene as a supermarket counter girl... <laughs> selling olives with Kim Benson who played the the um, plumber in it oh okay yeah yeah you know the female plumber in it and and we got to be good we're still very good friends now and so that was my first and only ever TV experience and I hate, I did not Hates like it, it. Right, I yeah. like I'm a theatre girl so next thing I know they're going oh it's going to be a TV so I used to go early and sit in and you know learn from the cameraman from lighting the sound blah 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 so that when because it was multi-camera goodness yeah. me and a Friday night live now the Friday nights I loved because I was used to an audience so, so you recorded it live to go out to We did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So up, of live. course there were certain sketches on location. Yes, we didn't. yeah. But I would say 70% of the show was a live sketch show. Amazing. And that so, must be like theatre in oh, a way, isn't it? Because you ignore fun. the cameras and you just you have just the do. audience again, yeah. Absolutely. And so we've, we, again, that happened. And then, then I went, I flew out to Canada because my sister had married a Canadian, as happened. So I went out to see her. That's where I met my now husband, husband who's also yeah. Canadian. 
And and when I came back, because he'd asked me in Canada, he was like, so what do you do? I said, I'm an actress. He goes, oh, you're a famous actress. I went, God, no one knows who I am. <laughs> Flew back to England. Goodness <laughs> gracious me, it just aired. And I'm in central London, people going, oh my God, and you're from goodness gracious me. And I'm thinking, huh, what's happening? Within a year, it's like people were just You like, were household names. Yeah, it was crazy. It, yeah. was, it was literally like that. And to all of you, I mean, that was the same. And do you find, I mean, I, I've got other actor friends who then have their like, their friend, but their arch enemy who goes for every part. Were you and Mira out <coughs> then no. kind of almost up for everything together or not? Not at all. Because I, I had a theatre background. So I came from, and she kind of came more from a literary background. Right. So we, and also she's 10 years older than me. So we were not really Never up against, no, each other, no, we weren't. And, and we, you know, when we did, when we did Goodness Gracious Me, it was really interesting because I think initially they, they it was only going to be Mira. And then they saw me in Do It With Your Fingers. So I got taken on at the very last second to, to join the group because they said, we can't find other women who are doing comedy. So I, I was taken on and, and it was, they'd already come from Real McCoy, Cully and her. Yeah, so they already had a... But Sanjeev lived around the corner from me in Hounslow and he actually um, had come and seen me at um, Do It With Your Fingers at Theatre Royal. And he was performing with Nithin Soni. Uh, across the road at the Tom Allen Centre doing a show called The Secret Asians. Oh, wow. And he'd approached me and written me a really funny note saying, I likes your legs or something <laughs> like that. Something stupid as like pretending to be a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> so I went to see his show and then he said, look, I'm doing a one-off special. Would you join us as a kind of special oh, character? Oh, wow, so that's... Oh, and I it. got seen by Anil Gupta and Sharad Sardana, the main guys from Goodness Gracious Me, at the Oval House initially. Oh my God, it's such so a... It was, I mean, and it was pure luck because I was really ill that day and I almost didn't perform with Sanj. And, and, but I did because I, I promised him I would and I felt really guilty that I wouldn't. Thank goodness I did because that's where I got seen. So then I said, oh, I'm doing the show called Do It With Your Fingers and then they came to see that show as well. And that's how I got into that. And group. did the fame thing frighten you when you first got when you started to get recognised? Was that? Uh, oh, it was exciting. Of, it was exciting. Oh yeah. my gosh! No, no, I can't lie about that. I was, I was I'm like, like oh, hi, my name's Nina. No hi. dark glasses, no. no disguise. Are you kidding? I was like, <laughs> desperate for people to go. Oh, yes. Sorry, hello. <laughs> With a goodness gracious me T-shirt. On. Exactly. <laughs> Kiss my chubbies written across my back. Yeah. Those first two years were so exciting and so fun. But reading your CV, I mean, it's amazing. You've done so much. You did the Vicar of Dibley. Yes, I well. did. Well. the Vicar of Dibley? I played a woman who worked at the council. <laughs> so and did you I... get to work with Dawn French? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, uh... I had one scene with Dawn. When and... you work with these other huge comedy yeah. actors and stuff, I mean, do you do you learn through your career that you will work differently? I mean, is it quite interesting? It, is it interesting when you see another person who's made it, who's a made, you know, to, to, to watch how they work? They're very different. That, that, well, that's the one thing I know is that comedy, although everyone's doing comedy, their styles are different. And <clears throat> what's really interesting is I pick up a lot of new stuff. You know, I, 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 I always find something in someone else that I think, gosh, that's so clever. Yeah. You know, and I'll kind of incorporate that into my next job. So you're always learning because that's the one thing that I was, you know, I was told that you must always, always learn. Never think you know it all about yeah. acting. You just yeah. never do anyway. No one ever does. So you you always learn from the next person and the next person and the next person. And it's daunting. When I walk into, a, you know, like, did still open all hours and you know you're going to be working with, you know, Sir David, David Jason, Jason, you yeah. kind of go, oh, I don't know if I can... I know, that never goes away, does it, in this It doesn't. Job. It I doesn't. Mean, but you it's... so get used to it when you work. I oh. always find, yeah, when you it's when you're 
Once you've been there a week, I mean, on EastEnders, you yeah. know, my first block was the fire block. Yes. I remember Pam oh, and wow. June and you guys coming yeah. out and you're like, oh my gosh. God. But then is it funny a week later? Yeah. You're just friends. Like, you're totally friends. And that's what's cool. What I do, that's the other thing I notice is a lot of big names are very generous actors. Yes. You know, so they will, they, okay, for me, it's always about teamwork. You, There's no point going... I'm just going to be really good in this scene and I don't care about anybody <laughs> yes. else because then the scene is just going to be crap, isn't yeah. it? So I learned that very early on yeah, in my theatre days true, yeah. that if you want to have a, a good relationship and, and really, if you want the audience to really love what you're doing, you really need to love your fellow actors because then it comes to life. And that's what I liked about the Masoods. You know, you saw us on set. Yeah. We were inseparable. And, and people make fun of us. I remember being shocked because you were all the yeah. totally opposite yeah. of the characters, which seems funny to say, but you kind of do. I mean, even I still class myself as an audience member sometimes. You yeah. do kind of come in with preconceptions. Really? Uh, yeah. And I thought, well, oh, well, they will, they will the never drink alcohol. And, <laughs> you know, like number six. I remember one of the first stories you said, I thought, oh, I don't think she's anything like Dana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, then Paris and Clement, obviously, was... Yeah. Hello, darling. When you meet that, you think, so oh, pod. God. Yeah. So pod. And, and in fact, I found that on that set, which was, this was an interesting thing about a set, because not everybody is friendly to you from the beginning. <laughs> no. And it's it's a funny thing that Pam said to me one day. I was like, you know, I've been here like eight months and you haven't really spoken to me. She's like, I'll see if you last first, darling. And then <laughs> we'll get in touch. I'm like, what? I know. It's so, I found that really rude. But and I suppose looking at that, that now, way. because she's seen so many people come and go, exactly. you do become, I mean, I used to feel really rude to extras because yeah. you had so many casts. You yeah. used to just <laughs> ignore the extras. And I used to come home thinking, God, they must hate, they must think I'm so in love with myself that you just almost ignore them. Because then I remember we got told as directors, there was a new rule that came in that said if they if you spoke to them, they got paid more. Yes. Then it made it even worse. Worse, so I know. If they came up to you, you yeah. just had to blank them. I know. Oh, I mean, God. we had to do scenes with them where, I, you know, I was working in that minute mark and someone would buy something and they just <laughs> nod and you go, are you mute? Is everyone <laughs> mute? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but they're like, no, I can't talk because then they'll have to pay me more. And I'm like, so say thank you. Then. Yeah, quickly, get it in. Yeah. <laughs> do a whole speech. <laughs> So, but, um, so then there's, I mean, there's so much we talk about in British television. You, uh, you've recently, just to highlight some things, yeah. you, you were in the Guy Ritchie's remake of Aladdin, which yeah. I actually watched the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, with yeah. Will Smith. I mean, obviously it's for a lot of special effects and yes. stuff. What's Hollywood like? It's, you know, it's a really, it's really weird working on movies with kind of Hollywood people, Hollywood directors. Because I, I went out and did, you know, pilot season for a couple yes. of years out in LA and worked with Anders Home. And you've done Bennett like Beckham and, and stuff. So you've done yeah, lots no, of films. But is, is, but you know, is there a it's, um, marked difference? Yes. It's not as friendly. <laughs> no. that's Because no, obviously as a director, I think it's an, you always have ambitions of going to Hollywood. And I remember an actress saying to me, like, never leave so Because she said it's the most control you'll have because as a director yeah. in Hollywood, you'll also have the producers, the money makers, who yeah. will all be going, no, she should sit down, no, yeah. she should stand up. There are so many people telling you what to do and everything else is more important than your actual acting. Right, so yes. by the time you actually get onto the set, finally, you've not only been kind of preened to, to death, you've been, you know, uh, told exactly where to stand, what the market is. And have you is. met anyone is, at that point? Have you no, met? No. Thus far, only the first AD right. and everyone in the background. 
And then Guy walks on and then he's, he was lovely in fairness to me. And, and luckily he you know, knew me from goodness gracious me, which was a huge bonus. Nice, yeah. And he, and I liked the little character and he just kind of went. Because I suppose the directors, they are just as famous as the actors, I suppose, yeah. in a way. Yeah. I mean, especially like, him, like a, you know, yeah. it's like, and also when you have a crush on someone like that, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I did hugely. So I was like, oh my God, this guy really <laughs> inside of me. Ah, like a 12-year-old child. Um, but, you know, you, you have that. And then, of course, he'll come in and then he'll give, you know, what his take is on it. And he wanted me to constantly be on the props and not even look at Aladdin. But at the time when we did it, because that's not the whole scene in the movie, that's half what, right, what the okay, scene was. Yeah. Um, Aladdin had this metal pole on his shoulder with a red dot, which is where the monkey was meant to be. Ah, right. So he said, you know, refer to the monkey when you throw the dates at him. And all of that's been cut, sadly. Um, so there was so much, maybe, remember... Maybe, maybe you were throwing it to the other side. <laughs> Knowing <laughs> me, and so you do, you do all of this kind of stuff, and then uh, like you realize, next thing someone's actually said action, and you've gone, oh, what? Oh God! Oh <laughs> well, God! So what? What's going on? And and it's it was terrifying because it's it happens very quickly. It's all very we got to get it done, and and you know you just know there's a lot of money on. Yeah, that there's set. so much money every yeah. second being spent, and you know that there's some American, you know, seventeen producers watching you and yeah. every move. So if you don't do well in this, you'll never work in Hollywood. So the pressure is ten times worse. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing about my career, though. The one thing that I've never ever done is said no to a job because it's too small. Yes, for me. When I, when I started, I remember kind of speaking to other actors going, how do you do this? How do you get a job? Because everyone would go, well, you can't get a job without an agent. And yeah. I go, well, how do you get an agent? Oh, you need a job. You can't get <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking, so, what? 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 This yeah, is so yeah. messed up. This is a chicken or the egg. What do yeah. I do? So I just wrote off to everyone. Yeah, hoping, you just have to do it all yourself. And I think you always do. You do. Because everything changes so quickly now. You know, like this we're doing ourselves. But so would you, I mean, saying that then, no job's too small, can you actually imagine a life full time in Hollywood? I mean, so many actors have come back, English actors going, I did it for a while. Actually, it's, you know, it's too much. I I was out there for two years. Um, uh, One pilot didn't get picked up. One pilot did get picked up. But when the pilot got picked up, um, I was very, I was not very well actually for a bit. So I had to pull out pull of out, that, right. which was very gutting for oh, me, bet, really yeah. gutting because it would have meant, okay, LA would have just yeah, happened yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I realized actually, especially with the kids, you know, that's the other thing. If you're balancing children, children and, and family and, and yeah, a marriage yeah. and a career, you've got to do what's best for everyone. And for me, I think falling ill was actually a stress related thing because I was worried about their education as well. I, I looked at schools out in LA and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was, I just didn't think it was right for my kids. No. I, just I mean, LA's a it's, a, it's, it's a very, if I was single, I'd be Amazing. out there like a yes. shot. God, yeah. That yeah. would be Same. me done. Yeah. But as a, a, a family oriented person, I mean, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. It's not, this is not the end that way. No. I still am excited about yes, it. Yes. Yeah. And I think once they're off at uni, my kids, you know, they're 16 and 13 now, once they're off at uni, I think I might do that. But having said that, since kind of going, oh, I don't know, more Hollywood has come my way in the UK we, yes. than anywhere else. Well, because so many series in it. It's not just Hollywood film now. You I mean, can so, work, you I mean, can do it anywhere thought, you want. Who would have thought Julia Roberts would do a series years exactly. ago? You know, like exactly. the world is constantly changing in it our is. industry. So now I know for a fact that I can, I, I have an American agent, I have a British agent, I can work from I mean, and here. That sounds so fancy just saying. It, no, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I worked hard for that, believe me. Yeah, I, I bet you did. The meetings you go for with Hollywood, Hollywood agencies, agents. Oh, so different to the UK. So very briefly, here's a little yeah. scenario. 
you go to Hollywood meetings. Did no you matter meet any, enough. sorry, like Joey's agent in Friends? Do you remember her? Yes. Very, <laughs> oh my God, did I ever. Really? And one was, she was like, oh, you do great in porn. I'm like, I'm not oh here for porn. She's like, tits are fabulous. I'm like, what? No, what have I come to? Oh my God, but, amazing. No, I did then also meet very, very good agents. and and But every meeting was oh, we love your CV. Oh my God, you're so talented. Oh my God, you know, you've you're got amazing. this. You're, yeah. Oh yeah, you've got this behind you. You can do comedy, you can do drama. Oh my God, we'd kill to have you. And every meeting, <laughs> every <two>. meeting, <laughs> cut to the opposite in the UK where you walk into a meeting and go, oh. <laughs> is this all you've yeah, done? Yeah, what, what, what is it? What's it? Who do, who? You worked at Theatre Royal Stratford <laughs> Oh, so not Theatre Royal in the West End then. Okay, fine. You know, like, anyway. <laughs> I, I, I've been here 30 years and you just still look at my CV well, like you had a break for a year yeah, yeah. Mm. what did you do that oh, well, I had a child <laughs> yes oh, oh you didn't go back oh, to you, work in oh, six weeks <laughs> <laughs> so entirely different yeah but the American the, the, the agent I finally signed with I love and they're very proactive and all kinds of things but when you know like when I made this decision of course they were a bit upset with me to say the least um but I had to do what was right for me yeah but I also had to go out and try and I also had to kind of enjoy that experience I think in this industry everything happens for a reason I really do believe that yeah yeah, yeah. you know because jobs you know for me as well there's never ever a time that two jobs don't come up at the same time and then you have months off always Always. happens and it's so So hard, and it's so hard to decide it really is but But, I think your gut normally just instantly tells you it does but you I think the other thing I've also trusted because I've trusted my gut more and more I tend to only do something for as long as I want to do it. I mean, leaving EastEnders was one of the hardest decisions. Because it could have been a job made. for life, couldn't it? It could have, and it still can be. The nice respect that they gave me was yeah, they said, you can go we're not going to kill you off. Because I asked to be killed off. I said, because I thought I'd get a massive storyline if I get killed off, which I would have. But it would have meant I couldn't go back in. Never, yeah. So they said, no, we're not going to do that. We want to leave the door open for because she's a great character. So I thought, well, that's respect shown yes, back to great. my yeah. hard work, yeah. which is very nice. Which they them. don't do for everyone. So that no, is totally respect. It was huge. Yeah. So I, once I left that, I suddenly had this freedom to kind of go, do you know what? I'm just going to try anything now. Yes. So now I've done that. I'm going to try. I'll go up for some dramas. I'll go up for whatever. And you know, it, and it's been interesting because Still Open All Hours sort of came back. We had our goodness gracious me reunion again. Which we will quickly talk about actually while you're on it. Because yeah. is that, I mean, a totally different kind of, kind of comedy, isn't it? Because yeah. it's going back to entirely like the original. Does yeah. it still work? I mean, it does. It's got the it audience. Does. It is does. It, it, is it strange going into something that very is, I think, unique nowadays? There aren't many sitcoms like that. Well, it's very iconic because, I mean, I watched Open All Hours. Oh, I yeah, sat so, I and mean, I yeah. watched it and I remember thinking how do I make a character like Mrs. Hussein fix it, fit into that no, world? Yes. Because that was the idea. They were updating it. So it was in Doncaster. It was still there. It's still in the original shop. It's yes. still filmed there. But of course, you know, there is a Muslim community out there and you just kind of go, but I don't want to stand out in a really negative way. No. And especially that it was filmed and the style of it was very much the exactly. same as it was. Because like we said, 2.4 children. Yeah. yeah. Would that work no, now? No, Probably not. No. But that has. That has. And and it was interesting. So when I when the character was written, she was written as a one-off for the Christmas special. She was literally like two lines in the Christmas special. And I remember meeting Roy Clark and thinking, legend of a writer. I, I was like this, just bowing down to him. I think he's oh, amazing. He's keeping up appearances as well, isn't he? Um, yes. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's incredible. incredible. And yeah. how he just keeps coming up with more and more and more. And he said to me, he goes, don't worry about the character. Like, don't worry about what she looks like or this or that. He said... She's a gossip. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just went against my own rule. You know, which was tell me about the character. And the character yes. is, she's a gossip. 
So I thought, okay. So then, you know, I just need to make a really quirky and slightly odd and weird and <laughs> and just about what's going on yeah, in the street. Yeah. So I did it like that. Next thing I knew, they said, would you like to be in the series? Amazing. And I thought, I'm so blessed that they saw what I was trying to do. So that was very exciting because then that happened. And then off the back of that, like there was um, just a, oh my God, I can't remember. Oh, Death in Paradise. Yes. Oh, which is the where you get to go to... Who book, says right? no to that? Yes. But I was, oh, you know, the, about five years ago, they came for me when it was Chris Marshall doing it. And it was a storyline about, like, I think a Hindu with some a bunch of girls going out. And I couldn't do it. Oh. I was doing something else at the time. So I was like, oh, no, I'm gutted. I can't was it do filmed? it. It's filmed in Guadalupe. Guadalupe. And I remember the beginning of that series, there was a big complaint about the sound that no yeah. one ever hear the sound. I just thought, was that because everyone was just constantly drunk? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you cannot do a show like that and not drink rum from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. It's a beautiful I setting. Bet. I mean, oh, genuinely is yeah. paradise. It is paradise. And, and you know, I got so lucky that I get a storyline with one of my comic heroes, who is Ardlo Hanlon. I was like, "Oh, amazing!" I said, "I'm playing wow. his love." I'm like, "Yes, yes brilliant. It was just incredible. I just thought this couldn't be a nicer job. In fact, I remember my agent going, "Hey, you remember you couldn't do Death in Paradise last time?" I went, "Yes." Yeah, thanks for reminding and me. And she went, "Well," and I went, "I'm doing it. What is it? <laughs> yeah. I don't get what the part is. I'm doing it yeah. because." Every actor does it. It's so smug about it. They're like, oh, oh no, they are everywhere. And director, no director. Just, go, oh, I'm just going back for the next season. I know. Like, it's, oh, so like, ah. it's a stunning location. And I mean, you've also done Bollywood. Oh yes, haven't you? Now I've had a friend. Just to tell me this. I had a friend. She's Australian, and she her name's Tanya. And she got cast in a couple actually. In the end. she yeah. always she played kind of the white yes. girl who came in to yeah. mess things up. Yeah. But she got paid like in brown envelopes. Yes. Cash. Yeah. And basically, it was. I mean, we don't realise over here, I think, how big that is. When she was over there, she'd have whole floors of the hotel taken over for her. You are treated like a god. I mean, it is a different, it is a different entity. But look, I come from Bombay. Yeah, so so you were used. For me, I kind of looked at it. uh, Bollywood had been asking me to do stuff for them for a very long time. Yeah. I never had an interest in it because for me, Bollywood film is panto. Okay, it's panto. It's, It's singing, dancing, whatever. And they take they take certain things very seriously that I laugh at. Right, so yeah, I so just can't to do it. Yeah, I can't take it to it. But but the part the part was really cool. And this part and to work not and only with called... Akshay Kumar and Namaste London. Namaste, yeah. Not only with Akshay Kumar as a massive legend, but I played Rishi Kapoor of the Kapoor Dynasty's wife. <laughs> now the weird thing is, I'm play- my son-in-law Akshay is two years older than me. Okay. <laughs> So I had to like really age up. Also, I found out I was pregnant with my second child oh, right. in real life when I was doing the film. So I had all these different things going on. But what I, I, I there were great things about it, but there were also things where I thought, nah, I can't, can't do this again. Do it, yeah. And what it was, it was one particular moment, which may not mean much to a lot of people, but it, to me, it was just, I can't believe this just happened. I'm standing on set and... <laughs> there was, uh, it, they're, they're equivalent. I always say the equivalent of a first because you actually don't know who's running the show. <laughs> right, okay. You have random people come and talk to the person next to you to tell you what to do because they're a man. And you go, huh? Go, oh, wait, we're not going to talk to you because you're, you know, we can't talk directly to you. You're the woman. What? 
What's going on? And I don't know if they're joking. I don't know if it's real. I don't know what's happening. I wasn't given a trailer because I'm a British actress. Wow. So, and I'm one of the four and leads. And is it the same production values of, say, a Hollywood film? Is it huge? I mean, is it... It is, is but it's, you know, if your call is 7am, sometimes the actor turns up at 11.30. Right, okay. There's no consistency. Right. And sometimes the director might go, actually, you know what? I don't feel like doing this scene today. And like, <laughs> oh. So it's chaos. chaos. It's totally right, But okay. I was expecting that. Yeah. And that's fine. And you get dubbed whether you oh, really the sound man is the most pointless man in Bollywood because nobody cares he, sometimes he hasn't even pressed record <laughs> and they're like it's okay we're dubbing it anyway maybe he did Death in Paradise yeah <laughs> <laughs> he did but you're just going so it works in its own we call it Bollywood time but there's one moment this guy comes up and you know I, I did the kind of little, I had a little kind of fun, funny comedy moment and, uh, you know, people laughed on set and then we kind of did the actual recording and I said, oh, can I watch it back in the rush? I just I want to see if the timing worked. And he went, why? We'll just put the doing. I said, I beg your pardon. He goes, well, you, it was a comedy line, you know, you, you have to put the doing. I said, what's the doing? And he goes, you've not seen Bollywood films? You know, when you someone the comedy character the comes, they do the, effect. they <gasps> actually put a doing. Oh and he, he goes, and then he says, otherwise, how will you know if it's funny? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's why I don't do Bollywood. That's in. I mean, that's insane. It is crazy. It's an entirely different world. But huge. And it's, it's huge, but it's not for me. I I struggled with. And were you paid in a brown? Paid I brown was. Well, yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get. Oh, it's it's and it's random as well. You know, they'll sometimes go. Okay, you can hang out at your hotel till then. Or okay, come at this time. Or or like I said, you know, you don't get a trailer because you're considered oh, well, yeah. a British wow. woman actress, Indian from from the UK. So you're not treated like the main Bollywood people. And it's just, it's wrong. Whereas you do a Hollywood film, you still get, even if it's a small part, you get treated really nicely. Yes, yeah. you know, talent, I think, is still... You know, talent is talent yeah, at the end of the yeah. day. And they respect you whether it's one line or whether or it's, whether it's yeah. you know, five scenes. They respect you. Whereas I just found in this, I was just not treated in, in a really proper way. In but, a way that then, you would... Is that because also there was a lot of misogyny going on? You know, because that's India for you anyway, yes. generally. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a quiet woman. You know me. No, I, yeah, yeah. If I'm not spoken to with enough respect, I will say, <laughs> yes. you know, you, who do you think you're talking to? I'm not a piece of shit on the road. Yeah. You will talk to me with respect. And they just look really I shocked. love the idea of something here, someone saying to you, well, obviously, that will have the toy. <laughs> <laughs> I would love. That's the best I, I know. How, however, do, do you know if it's Bolli- funny? Uh, what I want to do. A Bollywood, pu- yeah. Oh, I, I, we yes. should do it. Lee. Oh, what we, are we should. Doing like? we Come should. on, let's do it. Let's do like. There a- is room for that, you know. Like, a I'm really serious. Big- I mean, I'm up for it. I'll write it. Yes, oh, wait, write right. It you've heard it here. Okay, that done. would be amazing. I'll do it. I'll do it. And one story that I remember with us that we have to mention is: Do you remember we did uh, the children in need thing with these with Coronation Street with the with the you had an Asian off with. Uh, Shobna. Do you remember? <laughs> yes, I do. And then there was a brilliant scene. I think it was written by, was it written by John and Arbor? I can't remember. There was a brilliant uh, scene no, with Sue. No, was with Sarah. You had a Sue Cleaver one about Sue gays. Cleaver, that's right. Yes, yeah, I did. Which was I brilliant. did. And just as we got there, because you were in the boot of the car, I remember, which oh, was your yes. idea oh, yeah. that Johnny had that's put you in the boot of the oh, car. That's genius. Do you remember yeah. that? Do you remember what feeling? Because I remember then afterwards, I remember actually all the EastEnders <laughs> cars were going, what are their dressing rooms like? Yeah, Do you remember? Because they were gorgeous. They were, and I honestly, know. you were in a porter cabin, weren't you? I know, we're always in a porter cabin. I, I think the to... biggest mistake they made was letting EastEnders cars go to Coronation <laughs> Street at that they time. They should have done that. They should have sent them to us. Yeah. And then they maybe could have campaigned for better rooms for us. Well, but... they did send them to us, actually. And I remember it was, Jeff, you weren't, because you came up there and then yeah. I did the day at EastEnders when... Yeah. 
Bev Callard, who played Liz, came with Jesse, and it was going Kim Martin. It was quite yeah because it's quite weird i mean for me it was so bizarre seeing soap legends together well the first time we i did a soap awards i remember like leaving the people or any anyone on the red carpet when they stop you they go so is it true about the rivalry between the two and i like an idiot you know what i joke about everything oh, I was god. Like, oh god yeah we hate everyone <laughs> and next thing i know it's in some soap yeah, magazine zainab a- says that he's dead i'm like <laughs> no it's street, so- a horrible. i know it's a Joke, jeez, a lot of them. Like Shobna, I've known for you. Shobna was in Do You Eat With Your Fingers. Oh, was she? Yes, she was in Do You Eat With Your Fingers. And she's a superb <laughs> dancer, by the way. She's an amazing dancer. Oh, she's really funny. And she's very funny. She's great sense of humour. So there's, there's all these, like, you know, like when, when the whole Korean this thing happened, I thought, oh, it's a, is it a real thing? Is it not a real thing? I don't know. I don't take things like that seriously No, no, we couldn't. I mean, I was totally going, this is oh, so it's, weird. It's ridiculous. All that drama they build up about all of this. And, and at the end of the day, actually... You don't have a closer friend than another actor in a soap. No. You just don't. And everyone everyone is normal. I remember Helen Worth, who plays Gail, who's been in Coronation Street for years, and is yeah. one of those people when you join, you're like, oh, my yeah. God. But she was absolutely petrified coming to EastEnders because yeah. she was like, oh my God, I'm in Lambert Square. Yeah. That's why I mean, it never goes it's, away when you do things. No, does it? it doesn't. It really doesn't. And, and you and still stay new and fresh. Of and course it it's does. It's amazing every day, our job. Yeah. So, well, it's been amazing. Oh, I don't know. There's one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because there's so much we could talk about. One of the recent things you did was Isolation Stories with Sheridan Smith. Yes, that's right, yes. And uh, so how do you think, I mean, in the, the what we've gone through this year, what's the future for your, you know, because uh, as we all know, it's much harder to get a job at the moment. It's very hard. Um, um, I, as soon as the lockdown kind of eased off, uh, I had a couple of self-tapes come in straight away. So I'm actually currently filming uh, an ITV drama with Emily Watson called Too Close. So I'm doing that. Um, I was working with Stephen Merchant on his new comedy, The Offenders, when everything stopped dead in March. So that's picking up in December. And I've just auditioned for a new Netflix series, which I'm just waiting to hear if the dates can all work. Because the new problem is going from one job to another, you have have to to leave seven days free. Which meant that You're like an Airbnb. Oh, it's horrible. That needs cleaning. It's horrible. I mean, (laughs) I'm doing Countdown uh, next week. And of course, I've had to move that date now. It has to be seven days after I finish Too Close. And like you've said before, all jobs come in 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 buses. Same time, yeah. You can't have that luxury. tell you, just even the rehearsal, walking into that place with your mask on. I know. It's lost its magic, doesn't it? Yeah. Filming is not... Well, as we know, it's about the fun and it's about the... Because that's what makes it kind of come alive, isn't it? But and you, standing two metres away from everyone. No. And we're a very, you know, we're a very touchy-feely industry. Yes. You know, you're always hugging someone or sitting on someone's lap or, or is that just me? But yeah. <laughs> it's a very, like, when you bond with someone, there are no filters. No. You know, and, and you know those people that you can bond with and be free with. Yeah. And you can't do that right now because everything is about the, you know, the pandemic. Everything's about don't touch this, wear that, touch this, wash your hands. You know, I've had these bloody cotton bods shoved up my nose and my throat and checking if I've got COVID right now or not. And it's not a pleasant place. It's become, I think, yeah, clinical and, reg, you know, regimented, which this case can't be, can it? But you can't. It's... Filming can't be. And and what about theatre? What about, where's theatre? Like, where's the love for theatre right now? And it's just, it's just, I'm so desperate. I know friends who are, you know, have had to stop in the middle know, of everything. Yeah. and. And I pray that everybody gets work. I know a lot of my friends are working currently. Well, this in... country, theatre, is part of our, you know, soul. It's a lifeblood. It would be horrendous if theatre went. But yeah. So who knows where it's going. Well, thank you. I'm going to give you a little soap from the box. Oh, so, And the last question you. is, who would you who would you have given that to in EastEnders, character-wise, to have washed away their sins? 
Ooh, to wash away their sins. I mean, we could talk about the actors, but then we'd be, we'd be giving too much away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just yeah. the character We'll then. be talking about that afterwards. <laughs> no, uh, do you know what? I would actually, I would give this as a laugh to John Partridge. <laughs> the masala queen. The masala himself. queen deserves it. He's got a lot of masala on his hands at the whole time, so the soap would come in handy for him. Well, thank you very much, Nina. No problem. Lots of love. Bye. Well, that's episode two of Soap from the Box. I really hope you're enjoying it. Nina is literally one of the funniest people I've ever met. I'll be back at the same time next week with another celebrity guest. And once again, all week, I'll be posting clues online as to who it might be that I'm chatting to. Here's your first clue. She had an on-screen romance with our guest from episode one, Shane Ward. And if you haven't listened to that yet, listen to it now. If you think you might know the answer, give me a shout at Soap from the Box on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd like to thank David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry. You wouldn't be listening now if it wasn't for him. Rosie Baker-Smith for her social media help and Orla McKibben for her press help. I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.